Welcome to the Active Topical Banter Show, RP Gamers Editorial Roundtable Podcast. I am Scott Walker, and with me this evening are my co-hosts in no particular order. I am Michael Cunningham, a guy that kind of does stuff for RP Gamer and I guess helps direct all the craziness that goes on around there. How are y'all tonight? I'm the hot one. I'm Sam. I'm married to Scott. You should feel sorry for him. I'm the ugly one that people feel bad for. <laughs> Wait, are we are we Teen Girl Squad? Yes. Teen Girl Squad. Oh god. The ugly one. <laughs> oh my god, can I be so and so? So and so. The cheerleader. Sam, you're what's her face and you know it. What's her with face? Bre- with Brett Bredersen? <laughs> so good. I'm Trent Seely, uh, editor with RP Gamer. Hey, Trent, is corn no place for a mighty warrior? <laughs> corn chips are no place for a mighty warrior. <laughs> this is a great show already. God, I, I, I can't tell you how much I adore Teen Girl Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've unofficially become the backtrack in like <laughs> two minutes it's fine, in. It's fine, it's fine. Let's roll with it. We're not kissing. <laughs> Moving forward, we're not starting over. See, Scott's going to regret telling us to use at least three words to introduce ourselves. No, because... no, that's perfectly <laughs> fine because you know what? Now people associate, you know, not not only just names with voices, but a whole persona. Because you know, Sam's what's your? <laughs> oh, face. and I get to be the ugly one. <laughs> yes, you you introduced yourself as the ugly one. I'm Great. sorry. Hey, now Great. remember, last episode you guys were the Babysitters Club. This week you're Teen Girl Squad. You're getting up there. And every from, week we are a part of the Sam girls. Marcello fan club. Nine ninety five. <laughs> Except she's not Sam Marcello anymore. We had to change the name. It makes things more expensive. If 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 you want your yeah now if you want your official fan club pen and letterhead, it, it's going to be uh, thirteen ninety five. <laughs> you actually have to resubmit your money, and yeah. you do not get refunds for your previous membership. <laughs> You guys are horrible. We're not good at I... managing this. I'm a terrible treasurer. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. Worst Stacy ever. Oh, no wonder we're talking about money. Yes. And that that's it. Is that, you know what? That there's some things about video game pricing going on right now that, that bugs me. And we're going to go through. I've, I've got a little hit list here, and we're going to see how that goes. And I, I put these in the wrong order, apparently, because I'm going to start with the one that... Um, pisses me off the most so there is there is a certain there's a species of reviewer that will that will literally um put games on a dollars per hour like this game is only 12 hours long and i paid 60 bucks for it so at five dollars an hour it's not worth playing that's stupid this is perhaps the stupidest measurement in the history of stupid measurements like, right. but it, but it, but it is a measure. I, th- I think the challenge uh, from like a reviewing perspective is uh, there's there's no tangible measure that you can apply to enjoyment per se. So you can't like you can't really say like this is like five smiles out of ten. Ergo, it's worth thirty dollars. You know. See, I'd, like, I'm more comfortable with that idea because it's like it, it corresponds to my whole stars as rent it versus buy it scenario. Mm-hmm. Whereas well, this well, is like, okay, here's the thing. Is War and Peace better because you get, you know, it, it's only half a cent per page of content compared to a poem? Like, is War and Peace better than a sonnet 
by William Shakespeare because a sonnet is only 14 lines long. I, I think I think it, it it's challenging to do something like that if you're comparing different genres. Like, if I buy a fighting game, let's say, like, Persona 4 Arena, I may only ever invest, like, 20 hours into it. And in, and when I bought Persona 4, I've I probably invested 80 to 100 hours in it. Does that mean and and they when I bought them they were pretty much equal prices really uh, does that mean that Persona Four was a better purchase um, from from a quality standpoint I would probably say yes but I don't think the length of time itself can really be compared across two different genres as a valuable measure. See, and you know? I don't agree with that because there's definitely situations in reviewing, and I'm gonna obviously use RPGs in this case where sometimes it is kind of important to say, Hey, you know what? Like for what you pay for this, you know, it's, it's not worth the kind of a uh, kind of money, right? Like I know for me, sometimes I hate when I do talk about pricing in a review and it, it doesn't come up very often, but I do find it really problematic, but sometimes it is worth mentioning. Like if you're getting an hour's worth of content for 20 bucks, now, the, like that's yeah, a little that's, problematic. The big, the big thing that you'll run into a lot of times, and the reason I think a lot of people make these comparisons, is you will get something out there like Skyrim, which people are going to play for hours and hours and hours, and may not even ever complete the main quest, and it launches at sixty bucks, and then you turn around and you get something that is all right. Let's take a look at how long some of these games are. I'm going to look at you know, my own personal records of like what I've played. And you look at something like say it's a good comparison. Two Worlds Two is a game that was, you know, it's a European RPG, came out at sixty bucks. It wasn't awful. The first two worlds was awful. Uh yeah. Two Worlds Two was not bad. I mean it it was a good game. But it was only like twelve hours long. There was no incentive to go back and do anything. So when you put those like side by side and the reason I use those as a comparison is because they came you know came out within a year of each other you know two worlds two came out I guess maybe about a year before Skyrim so when you look at two games that come out at 60 bucks it's not necessarily something that I would factor into a review because I don't put that judgment on any reviews that I write I don't sit and say well this one's worth it but not worth the money that's something I will say personally, but I don't think that belongs in a review. Um, I, I might push back on that just a little bit because I think sometimes. Well, I mean, and, there, there's and, the outliers this... where you can dump a lot of time into some games versus some games that just finish in two hours. Like there, there like, are two-hour like, story but, mode games out but, there. But but this is the thing. Like I, like, and I only say that I would push back. It's it's not because I agree to an extent, but there are certain times in a genre where like you you can pay like 30 bucks for a jrpg and get 40 hours out of it but when i pay 30 bucks for hex's force for psp the main campaign was like five hours long and i felt i personally felt cheated because no one had ever given me in a review any indication that i was paying for an rpg that would be done in under 10 hours and i had no way i would have never anticipated that a jrpg was going to be done in under 10 hours now that's a good point i'm not saying that you shouldn't specify the length of a game because i think that is 
a very, very strong point, and that's why we always try to put our length within our reviews. Yes. But I think it's the one really thing, handy. and some sites I'll uh, throw out game critics because they specify in theirs how much time they spent actually playing the game. They and actually if it list was their they list their complete hours, whether the game was completed or not, what platform, all that fun stuff. So I'll, I'll agree with you, Trent, that you need to specify how long a game is. But I think the judgment of putting in a review, well, this one isn't worth it because you know it's you know it's thirty bucks and you're not going to get your money's worth because it's only five hours. I think you should say it's short, and that could be a negative to some because look at the review. If I'm looking at a review of Hexus Force now. It's not going to be thirty bucks anymore. No. So it's hard to really make that kind of judgment, especially with sales, with you know everything that goes on in that range. But you should definitely talk about you know the length of a game. But I know that's kind of it's kind of an in the moment kind of thing. That's why I say I would specify it in the moment. And I'm with you on that. Like any time that I've mentioned pricing in a review, it's more in the sense of I usually do the if you're curious about it. It might not be worth it at this price point, but try it maybe when it's a little bit lower. That's usually how I phrase it because it's, I'm never trying to deter somebody. The reality is, is everybody's going to want to like people will want to play it, whether you liked it or you didn't. There will always be somebody who likes that kind of stuff. So I was, my my personal point of view is when I'm writing a review and I put a price in, it's usually because I'm trying to say, you know, what? I would save your money and wait till it's at a price where you're OK with paying for the curiosity. Yeah. Right. And I think that 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 is actually acceptable to do because you're not saying it's totally not worth it at all. You're just saying, okay, this is my little cautionary warning. (laughs) (laughs) At at this point, I wouldn't say it's worth it right now. But if you're still curious and you still want to play it, (laughs) wait for it on sale. Maybe it's on PlayStation Plus for free, which (laughs) is a great way to try things. Look Um, at what's going on nowadays, though. It seems like everything that's out there is either one of two veins you know we've talked about indie stuff in the past but you've got the smaller scale games that are coming out at around the 10 to 20 dollar range versus the big high dollar products that are out there and if you look at things that came out this year like dragon guard 3 you know came out big name title south park all right south park stick of truth is a very good example this year because it came out it was the 59.99 price point the game was 10 hours long Mm-hmm. There was no incentive to play again. <laughs> no incentive, you know, it's not other a, a than replay. just just the replay value is another topic for another day. But yeah, yeah there, there will very... come a point when I want to play that again, cause the same way there will be a point where I want to watch season 13 of South Park again. So, you know, looking at that, I really enjoyed it. And there's been other games I've played this year that I've enjoyed that have been short. And I know our topic isn't necessarily the length of a game. But when I look at a game nowadays, I look at how much fun I'm going to have out of it after I've played it. You know, that's what I'm measuring is how much I enjoyed playing the game. And for me, you know, something like Transistor or Child of Light that I've just played recently that were, you know, those games are under 10 hours to get through um, about the same length of Stick of Truth. But, you know, do you weigh those because those were like $20 games versus a $60 game? You know, how do you judge those? Because one of them was a bigger budget, bigger development does that change, you know, the fun factor on some of this stuff for you all? I don't think it should. Um, for me personally, it doesn't. I find most of the time it's all about just am I enjoying it? Yeah. And it, this it, year... it doesn't start to matter for me until I stop having fun with it. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. so I so I paid $60 for 
for this. <laughs> and see, for me, it's more of just, I mean, I'm pretty easygoing for the most part. I'm in the masochist category. I find, truthfully, I have just as much fun with short games as I do with long games. I'm finding, actually, though, as I'm getting older, I'm having less patience for long games. Like, they really have to do something to keep me engaged and happy. Well, that point, uh, I want to take what you just said and ask Scott a question then. Uh (laughs) You just, you sat and said, you know, you get to a point where you're like, why am I playing this? Am I having fun? What's the most recent game you've done that with? And how long did it take you to get to that point? So Watch Dogs. (laughs) So Watch Dogs, um, because of a miscommunication between myself and a GameStop employee, and because Ubisoft released five God's damned collector's editions for it, I bought a $120 version of the game. And there's this point where it does the Ubisoft (laughs) adventure uh, open world game thing where it sticks you in a box and then it slaps your wrist for being stuck in a box over and over. So I'm sitting there frustrated with this game and I'm like, I paid double for this and I didn't even get the stupid hat. (laughs) So your price... What you've gone through in that case is, you know, how long did you play the game? Did, uh, this was probably, this was in Chapter 4, so probably around the six-hour mark. Okay, so only six hours for something like that is absolutely, you know, Which is absurd. still, at, at a dollars per hour rate, that's still better than movies. <laughs> See, I don't care about the dollars per hour, so you, I don't, know. you don't have to make that point with me. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm just bringing that up. It's like, <laughs> apparently, by that metric, I have gotten my money's worth, because I, I have seen four movies out of it. I don't know. I honestly think the only reviews, or the only site that does reviews, and they're not even a major review site, they're you know, just a community site, is Cheap Ass Gamer, because they're the only ones that really need to be considering the dollars per hour thing because that's kind of their stick <laughs> it's their namesake yeah, yeah. Their it's their stick is 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 the monies so they can justify doing that everybody else it's kind of harder to really make that yeah well okay, it, actually, it's kind of like they're of... making a they're getting on a soapbox at that point and just trying to make a complaint instead of actually worrying about the game it's like i hated this game and it was 60 bucks well and i guess speaking of cheap ass gamers uh, does sort of the ubiquity of the Steam sale and the even just the PlayStation Plus and used gaming sort of change how we value games? Like I know, I know, Sam and I will will say like, you know what? Grab it out of a bar- it's not great, but grab it out of a bargain bin if you see it. And I have mm-hmm. a list of games that I am following on Steam. Because I know that they'll drop to about eight bucks, and that's a point where I will buy it and play it for four hours and be like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, like a wish list, right? <laughs> well, there, there's a wish list, and you have a wish list, and now you also have following, which are two different things. I do that with Amazon because I'll keep things kind of in my saved for later cart because I know I don't actually want them. Um, but if they get low enough, I'll buy them to try. <laughs> you know, I've got few games in there right now that I'm like, eh, I might buy that, or I had a 360 version, I might get the PS3 version because I don't want to ever hook up my 360 again, and it probably wouldn't work anyway, so I know what you mean on that end. Yeah. Well, we've done that since, you know, we started dating. That's the thing. Like, it was always like, I'm curious about this, 
But being a starving student, I know I don't know if I can justify that price point at the time. I mean, the reality is, is a lot of us have different circumstances for what we can afford to pay as well. Well, I know that, that there were a couple of smaller devs that were kind of railing against Steam for their pricing habits. And, um, and I, I never got why they were upset because you, 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 didn't, you didn't lose 50% of your, your margin on it. You, you gained a sale that you never would have had because it was cheap. And people don't necessarily correlate that right. Yeah. At the end of the day, sometimes having those sales, though, it does give you more exposure. Yes, it's not at a price point maybe that you as the dev want, but think of it this way, as Scott said, those are sales you didn't necessarily have prior. Uh, Who knows? Then you have the word of mouth, you know, possibly happen if it's something the person likes. I've got to ask this, too, and it's mostly because of what we've seen happen recently – with a lot of game developers, a lot of the big companies and stuff kind of going out of business and losing everything, you know, shutting down, all that fun stuff, just because games have become so outrageously expensive to develop and to market. You know, look at the, was it 500 million, was it? Or I can't remember exactly. I'm not good with math, apparently. Even worse with budgets, but like Destiny. Well, Destiny's uh, budget will remain forever a mystery because I know someone said five hundred million, and then Activision was like, "No, that that's silly and ridiculous. We wouldn't spend that." And you know, um, even even say where you get cases where guys do sort of have a more transparent view of their budget, it's still like it it is obscenely expensive to make a game. Oh God, right. yes. And it is hard to make that back more and more and what you see happening is you were talking about word of mouth before and that's the problem is that you you make your first game so you can generate enough buzz that your sequel will cover your debts for four years and it also doesn't work that way i mean sometimes it does sometimes (laughs) it pays off and sometimes you're 38 studios Sorry, oh, bro. Okay. Did, did you right. hear what what Capcom recently posted that, that they're not interested? in They, they will not a make anything unless... unless it will sell two million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You brought up Thirty Eight Studios, and that's a point that I was wanting to make specifically, because in one of the interviews I did with one of the leads at Big Huge Games, who was you know owned and practically run into the ground by Thirty Eight Studios, when they were releasing Reckoning. Um, that's one of the thing I asked, you know, and it, it was out of his hands. He was the lead designer on the game, Ian Frazier, now working with Bioware. And I asked him point blank in one of the interviews, you know, do you think as a new IP that's coming out that's, you know, totally unproven, doesn't have any kind of market, you've got grand plans for it, but do you think it's justifiable to come out at the $60 price point and expect to do well? Well, and a few and, people have said things to similar effect and it's like yeah it's all crazy <laughs> yeah and you know his answer was absolutely you know we we're wanting to stand toe-to-toe with everything else and you know that was his line but i'd say the higher ups you know ea was publishing that you know 38 was doing their own thing there are people who at ea who have said and and activision who have said yeah launching an ip at 60 is it, it it's not good for us but at the same time you don't necessarily want budget game stigma either so we just yeah roll. 
you can't devalue your own product and you know you come out at 39.99 people are like oh what's wrong with this piece of junk you know they don't even have faith in it to put it out for a real game price well and i mean just cause 2 came out at 39.99 and failed basically and then it got this weird cult thing and became a i think the last sleeper hit we'll ever see in gaming See, and that takes me back to another thing, though. But look at Deadly Premonition. That game. I love, I love that game. <laughs> that game is, you know, one of the most low budget, you know, kind of, they call it, I think, I remember, I guess it was probably Jim Sterling called it a beautiful train wreck, I think was how yeah. he phrased that. Um, but I remember that it came out at, like, budget price. It was twenty bucks. It, it yeah, was you could buy a, you could buy a twenty bucks from like an HMV if you. Which wanted is so to. funny because the PS3 version that they put out earlier this year was, I think, fifty. Yeah, but see, yeah, the that was the special price, director's cut, though. Yeah, the oh, initial price oh, that ignition cut. ignition yeah. put this one out, and they you know they did clearly, twenty bucks. They clearly knew that they weren't going to have a big budget, you know, great game on their hands, but for twenty bucks they released it. It did well enough for people to be like, oh, even if it sucks, you know, it's 20 bucks, who cares? And I think that that happens with everything nowadays. Like we were just talking about, Scott, you were talking about Steam. I look for Amazon sales, Black Friday stuff. I'll pick up crap all the time because it's cheap just for the sake of possibly playing it. I, and I've new started... IPs should do the same too because some of them really could benefit from that lower price. And I think indie developers see that. But, well, well indies they're not, have they're the, not working with a giant publisher either. Yeah, in, indies aren't working with the big publishers, and they aren't working with big budgets, so they can break even at twenty, at fifteen, twenty dollars a unit. The way, say, a you know, just an example, a Destiny couldn't. Like Destiny could not yeah. have broken even at forty dollars a unit. And that kind of leaves me curious how somebody like um, Eden Industries is going to do with uh, Citizens of Earth, since they're an indie game. And they're pairing up with Atlas, you know, mid-sized publisher, not a, you know, not a big name, but bringing out something. It apparently was worth it to them to get that publisher support behind them. So, well, be interesting mm-hmm. to see how it does sales-wise versus other stuff. See, you know, this makes me think of a certain publisher who has a lot of problems understanding money versus time value, and I'm going to call out Square Enix. Square Enix is one of the worst offenders of this because they have this grand idea that all games should be $60 or that they all have and should sell 6 million copies. And if it doesn't, it's a failure. (laughs) Well, and the worst part, though, is they have games that are great, but they don't do anything to really get them out there. Like, I'm a huge lover of Sleeping Dogs. I thought Sleeping Dogs was perfect in every freaking way. Okay, like you can't tell me it wasn't perfect. It's perfect. Did you see any advertising for it? Did you see well, any and, anything for it? Well, and the, no, the, because they sent it. it out there with the logic of it might do okay. Well, no, <laughs> they they sent it out with the logic of it plays like these these three these other games. games. It should sell exactly as good as these three other games without us really Pushing emphasizing it. anything. And I like I I fell in love with it because of a developer walkthrough video it was like an hour of playing one of the missions from start like a like a few missions that were chained together start to finish with a developer commenting on how the systems interacted and how it moved and i'm like okay obviously this is you know this is a 40 minute youtube video it's never gonna sell a game the way 
it you know this will sell a game to me but it's not going to sell a game to a lot of people you know and, and i think they needed and i think if someone had come in and seen what it was and maybe could have put something together even if it was just a montage that showed hey it's gta kind of maybe but i mean look at what they did with tomb raider it was the exact same situation I mean, yes, Tomb Raider had a, a messy development, and I'm not going into that. But they sent it out to the world. There wasn't much for it. Again, if they put like, maybe a television commercial like they did for Final Fantasy Thirteen, um, Well, Tomb Raider had a name, at least. Like, well, I and think... that's just it. There was no excuse there. It had a name. It has a legacy. It's a new one. Push it. Yeah. And Square Enix is just not very bright, even just in their pricing. Like, I'm sorry. I'm one of those people, truthfully. I will not spend $20 on an iOS wow. Square Enix game. And I, I think guess this brings us. Ridiculous. This does bring us to Square Enix tax. I think it's kind of ridiculous that <laughs> such a thing exists. Like, the fact. Well, here's well, the thing Square Enix tax started out as a joke about Japanese game pricing, and we all sort of dug a little deeper and understood that, yeah, it starts at 120 but. Within three weeks, it's a normal price, and you just kind of roll with it. Well, also, during the DS era, every game that was coming out, Nintendo released games $5 cheaper than what Square Enix would release games at. Almost everything they would release would be like $39.99, and other games would come out at $34.99. And, you know, it was always kind of the joke, because all of the Square Enix games at the time, regardless of what it was, were coming out you know, at least 5 to $10 more than everything else. And it, it does also exist, you know. And, and obviously the mo- their mobile pricing is also insane. I just, it, like I said, I don't understand the justification, what their logic is. It's To well, me, it's kind of one of those, you really think you're that special enough that you can just say, well, you here's Final look- Fantasy 1, here's $20. Yeah, like you look at the mobile ecosystem and you say, you know what? We can sell things for $20 here. <laughs> I'll step in and say one thing. While I am not willing to pay the mobile pricing because, I, A, I'm not a mobile gamer for the most part, and I don't really care about that, that area, um, I will say that I much I respect the fact that they do that because the mobile market dropping everything to free-to-play or $0.99 cents and stuff like that just I don't think is sustainable. No, and well, I, except I it is, that. is the problem is that we've proven that free-to-play functions, even if you aren't necessarily designing a Skinner box that extracts money and not a game. Eh, free-to-play functions for certain people, for certain games. Well, it, it functions... everything that goes out there. Uh, well, it functions well enough that people think it's viable, I'll say that. And you, you turn it around and say, you know... Um, and turning it around and saying, yeah, obviously, and, and I mean, Square Enix has gotten better in some ways. Like, I do want to play Hitman Go, because $5 sounds about right for a fun little turn-based stealthy thing. Yeah, better than something like, you know, Final Fantasy All the Bravest, which came out for free. <laughs> let's let's not talk about that game again. <laughs> I guess, to me, I guess my issue with that whole situation is just the fact that it's like, who do you think you are in that sense compared to some of the other the other publishers out there? What do you um, mean? In the sense that it's like, 
we're Square Enix, so we're going to make this game $20, right? But <laughs> and other, people, people buy it. That's but, but, people buy it. But, but, but I, get this, it. I get it. Hold on. This is the thing, though. Like, we live in a free market society. I know, I know, I know. I just, yeah, let me finish. I get this sense, and maybe this is just me being a bitch, that Square Enix thinks there's some kind of special company because they think our games are totally worth $20 redos. Even though you probably have it on another console. You know what though, Sam? Like if I if I own a burger joint and I <laughs> Oh no. A, no. If I own a burger joint and I make a burger using four dollars worth of ingredients and I sell it for fifteen dollars, that's not reasonable. But if people buy it, oh, then, then it deserves to be fifteen dollars. I know. And the, re- the reality is, people buy the games from Square Enix for that price. They wouldn't continually oh, re-release their classics for these high prices if it didn't previously work in the past. And here's the thing, too, is they're doing the same thing kind of with their Steam releases. And I think the problem comes in the fact that they're trying to value all of their products equally. Okay, you know, that's more where I was trying to get at, and that's they're trying to where put, my brain is going, like, just yeah, no. They're trying to release Final Fantasy One. And sell it at the same price as Final Fantasy four or six or things like that. Or, or thirteen at, even. Yeah, on Steam, nineteen ninety nine for Final Fantasy four, the DS remake gone to PC, and Final Fantasy thirteen. Oh, and same three. And three. Price. Well, Wasn't three also that, or yeah. was three only ten bucks? I think. Yeah. Uh, I they they they, they cut you a deal on pre-orders lately, which is. Weird. I guess nice. But. Well, the the biggest comparison there was these two released like within a couple, you know, within a few weeks of each other. You know, Final Fantasy four hit and then thirteen hit right within the same, you know, two or three weeks at the same price. That's just kind of a a very telling thing that both of them. You know, they're just trying to keep their value across the board the same, and I don't necessarily think it works, but apparently it does well enough for them. So. Hey, more power to them. Even well, if I don't agree with it, said, I just maybe am one of those people who, in a pipe dream world, wishes they'd get on with not releasing their back catalog and being like, "Can you do something else that is not a one-trick pony called Final Fantasy?" <laughs> I'm honestly kind of down for it personally. Like, for I me, don't mind it if it's something I haven't played before. Well, but I don't real- need to have Final Fantasy one on every freaking thing. There's no reason for it. Okay. Other than again, the same argument that people will buy it. Well, well it's I not, would it's not just. That I would if it wasn't twenty bucks. Though. Like I, I'm so down with most of these games as long as they're good games and they're being made available on more platforms. I'm so down for that. And it's not just because like I don't, I don't purchase all of these on each platform personally. I don't. I have the version I want. I keep the version I want. But mm-hmm. I like the idea of more people who don't have the platforms I have. Well, no, here's I, the I, thing. I, I, exclusivity doesn't – like, exclusivity helps no one except for the gatekeeper, right? Yeah. yeah and I mean – So I'm, having it available across everything is fine. I think the way they justify I, I, their numbers I, is I, I from the I think it's great. Like, <laughs> like, we, like, the reality is we're moving into an age where mobile is a bigger thing and – and that means that the amount of int, like if we were to look at the amount of RP gamers that are out there, I think our intake is going to decrease unless more mobile people get into RPGs. And I'm I'm down with people of all colors and stripes getting into RPGs. So I, the more platforms these kind of games go to, the happier I am, even though I'm not going to buy them. 
my my reality is I'm sorry, I'm just bored of their practices. To me, it's like you think re-releasing these games on every platform ever would generate enough money that they would actually do something else. They... And yes, we're getting Kingdom Hearts 3, and yes, we're getting that pipe dream Final Fantasy 15. Um, yeah. Yes, and that's fine. Those apparently will make some money. I truthfully don't think they're going to make as much money as Square Enix thinks they're going to make, but, you know, well, to each their own in that situation. And like, here, Here's the other thing is, I guess I, guess I want to bring up, is there there is sort of the, the opposite of Square Enix tax, where... Um, I'll, I'll call it, I'll call it, uh, I don't have a catchy name for it quite yet, but the God damn it, Atlas, just tell us which games aren't on sale this week mentality, because Atlas is constantly discounting their back catalog somewhere. Yes, like and they it, were one of the first to push the idea of here. Let's sell 3DS games at fifty dollars. Well, they, they, yeah, they, they sell at they'll, they'll say sell 3DS games at fifty dollars. But if you're willing to wait a year, they will be on discount on 3DS pretty much <laughs> so, continuously, or on PSN. It seems to alternate. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I guess it's all about how you base your practices. I mean. Yay, everybody likes a sale. <laughs> well, and, and that's it, is there, there's, like, Steam has sort of tapped into a part of our lizard brain where we don't like buying things. We don't necessarily like consumption. We like getting deals. Yes. So give, giving us that perception is something that has worked for Atlas with their older stuff. Hmm. And, here, and this is the other thing, is I think, you know... Um, with the rise of the humble bundle and the subscription perk, uh, subscription perk gaming uh, or business model, you 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 see people who are just like, you know what, this game is four years old. It doesn't make us money. Let's just put it out there and see what it does. Like if you've got a if you've got Origin on your PC, you can get a free copy of Dragon Age today. Or hey, if you look at the Steam sale. They released Silverfall, a game nobody remembers, well, no, but you no. can get it for two bucks. Well, here, here's my point about uh, about Dragon Age: is there's a lot of DLC that doesn't come with that on Origin, and oh, there's a third game in the trilogy dropping in a month. They, they're <laughs> they're doing this is a much better way to leverage an IP than just sort of churning out sequels over over and over again. In the hopes that the loyalty keeps the money rolling, it's an interesting thought. Well, no, it it does seem to work. Like it, I was, no, I was, I, I was from from the other from a similar angle. Is uh, a buddy of mine is in publishing, and he he does a lot of work. He does a lot of stuff with Bundle of Holding, which is a humble bundle but for tabletop RPG PDFs, and. There was a conversation that went on where it was like a whole bunch of uh, Pelgrane Press games, uh, usually one game and one one core book and one supplement each, and they were all on Humble Bundle. So it was like eight books total, and uh, I was like, oh man, that's pretty awesome. I'm glad to have all of these. I've been meaning to track them down. And the other guy who in the conversation was like, yeah, no, I already had them all. I, I'd like to donate money to charity and get stuff, but I already had them. It's like, it's almost like that's the nature of the business model where you get people who just like backlogging, you know, building up a backlog for cheaps. 
and also the peop- the keeners who will buy everything day one. But yeah, I'd, I'd also like to point out that for all you whiners out there, this is the cheapest video games have ever been. Even without the sales and use game element, uh, it is, if you look at inflation, uh, if you look at inflation, Atari games used to cost 100 bucks. I remember when Fantasy Star 1 cost $80. Well, and that was $80 in 1990s money, so that's probably a little closer to 90 now. Yeah. Well, I remember because I didn't own a Sega Genesis, but I was determined to try to get my parents to buy me one just just for Fantasy Star 1. And my mom's like, you have a Super Nintendo. Pick <laughs> something that's a Super Nintendo game. And I don't even my, remember what I picked. Yeah. My brother used to tell me that when he was looking at games in the video store, because everything was between like 80 and $90 on the Super Nintendo, he usually would only buy things with like the Squaresoft logo on it because he thought that they were all quality. Well... <laughs> Branding, branding helps, and it even, and even then, in the Super Nintendo era, getting getting a even passable JRPG is a hell of a lot better than you know some four hour game that you would never actually beat because it's horribly unfair and broken. But you know what? Like the branding was a big deal back then, and I think is it the same now? I wonder. Uh, I think it was. I mean, obviously, I am for some reason, addicted to Ubisoft open-world game, despite my many, many complaints and angry rants about Ubisoft open-world You still sit there and giggle like a schoolgirl every time. But I will still probably end up buying Assassin's Creed 4 when it comes out, or Assassin's Creed Unity at some point soon. I would like to point out that last year at Extra Life, he spent a good 20 minutes watching a friend of ours play Assassin's Creed 4 on his really big TV. And he was just watching him sail around. And he looked, and Scott was just kind of looking like, I want to do that. <laughs> Didn't his wife go buy it for him the next day? Well, yeah, but. And then he was happy the whole time because then I lost him too. I'm sailing the ocean and it's really fun. And Edward's still a tool, but I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> and then, oh no, Ubisoft put me in the box again. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, that, and that's and it that... is, I mean, I think EA sort of learned its lesson where it's like, yeah, people buy Bioware not just because the box is Bioware, because Bioware meant something. And I think that sort of loyalty does still exist. I think um, I'd hate to call the people who exhibit it uh, idiot sheeple, but um, maybe maybe they are just a little bit, just a little bit. Well, I think people still have those, they yearn for the yesteryears of the things that they once loved. I mean, let's face it. Bioware fanboys from your generation who liked Baldur's Gate and all that kind of stuff. There is still that little bit that I think comes out that's like, I still I still want this to be like that thing I played, you know, 10 years ago. I, I think um, they've this... firmly established that they're never going to do that again because oh, no I... one who worked there 10 years ago is still there. But you know what I mean? Like the idea that that feeling is still there. That feeling, and I think that's the same with Final Fantasy fans. I think every time there's a new Final Fantasy, there's that little, little glimmer of hope that's like maybe it will capture the things I loved about the other ones, and maybe it will give me something new to love. Well, it's been a while it's since we've had that, that option. That's what I mean. That you mentioned. <laughs> It's interesting that you mentioned that because, uh, like, as of the recording of this podcast, like, the Lightning Returns review for the site just went live, and one of the persons in the comments section said, uh, Lightning Returns isn't a real Final Fantasy. 
because it's I mean it's it's sci-fi it's futuristic it's uh one character and uh I always think it's interesting hearing those sort of comments like well, the the fi- kind of in final fantasy circles saying one thing's a real final fantasy is kind oh, of it's, indicated it's the... which final which two final fantasies are your favorite yeah well i mean it's it's the one true scotsman fallacy like that, that that's that's an easy logical misstep to make for anyone to you know but well final fantasy lends itself to it <laughs> i get very angry when people ask me what my favorite final fantasy is because i'm a final fantasy hater with the exceptions of like two games in the series neither so of which count as real final those fantasies favorite, anymore then, right, Sam? Well, Tactics is my favorite. Yeah, that's not a real Final Fantasy, right? And apparently it's not a real Final Fantasy. And I love Six. Tactics is totally a real Final Fantasy. No, but I've had people tell me it doesn't count. I'll say, like, yeah, my favorite's Tactics. And they'll, like, just bum rush me with, like, anger because, oh my god, I don't like a real Final Fantasy. It's my favorite. My favorite's not Six. Which, even though I love Six, I do. And I love Four. Like, I love certain aspects of the games. But you talk to me about seven, Seven and After... I, I, think... I, I hate them all, truthfully, at that point. Other than I'm kind of weirdly liking 10, but then I accidentally <laughs> shipped my disc to Scotland. <laughs> oh. Uh, Regardless, I, I, think, I, I think we're kind of like we accidentally issue, shifted though. the subject. I'm sorry, I, did, I didn't mean to do that. It's well, just, we're, you know. We're, 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 we're wandering into territory that we're going to explore next episode. So uh, look forward to that, gentle oh, but, listener. But... All right. <sighs> Can I just game sales. A... I like cheap games. Yeah, Can I just that's it. That like couldn't care less about pricing because at the end of the day, if I want something, I'm just gonna go buy it. Well, yeah. okay. <laughs> let we we are at a point where games are gonna creep up again, and they're gonna creep up a little harder in Canada because the dollar's not doing well again. Which means, oh, the dollar's not doing well this year. My bad. My bad, guys. Sorry. Well, Canadians. It, it, <laughs> well, it, it, we're still better off than Australia. But the fact is. If the dollar continues to do poorly for the next, say, six months, games are going to creep up to 75 here, and it's going to be another decade before they realize, oh, wait, we're trading better. Let's price things that Actually, make sense. that totally happened, by the way. Yeah. You weren't there for it, Scott, but when Adrian was visiting during the wedding, he, Becky, and I went into a GameStop, or EB Games, whatever you want to yeah, call it, same, and same we went thing. to go get Tales of Zillia 2. 75 bucks which is why you wait no i know but this was me going like oh my god i liked the first zillia like i'm so excited and then i realized that zillia 2 was just awful do you like, feel it, like it was not worth the 75 dollars it was not worth the 75 dollars but would it have been worth any money is the question because that game looked and seemed kind of blah for a, that, for a Tales game, like, okay, let, let, if, if I was paying on the Sam scale, which is I should have waited and seen the review that Adrian was going to post, but to be honest, he wanted to watch me play it to make fun of me, so I think that I would have spent up a good... maybe 10, 10 bucks. Like, I would have waited till maybe it yeah. was on PSN for $10. It brings up a like, good oh, point. Okay. Some people complain about game pricing because they wish they hadn't spent any money on the game, not yep. because they're upset <laughs> about spending too much <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean well, and that and that is the game. thing is i think everyone has a price point in their head but i think that varies so wildly like there well, have been I, indie things i've bought at full price like 15 dollars, and not really mi- minded at all but then i go back to watchdogs and i'm like 120 god damn 
I think everybody has those little bits of buyer's regret when they've actually finally gotten to something that they've paid quite a bit of money for. And they're just like, I really paid this much money for this. And and, and I'm sorry, but how can you not be frustrated with yourself just a little bit knowing that you went and you paid full price and you were unhappy the whole time? (laughs) I I honestly don't usually buy uh, games new anymore. When I was young and impetuous, I used to get them like the day of. But I I have no problem today waiting a full year or two to pick up a game that has been kind of on my radar. And every, even if they, even if it gets 10 out of 10 reviews across the board, I'll probably just wait a while. The only time that I really have buyer's remorse is when I pay like $9.99 for DLC with the knowledge that I'll never see any of that money again. And it's probably not fulfilling. Well, and this is, and this is I guess, the other thing is DLC pricing. And that, that might be an entirely other kettle of fish. We can run a little long today. But I can tell yeah. It it, it just seems so weird to be like, okay, I spent 60 bucks on Fallout New Vegas for a massive game. True, like massive sandbox that I could probably replay another two times without seeing too much, without it feeling repetitive. And then I went around and spent $40 on a bunch of DLC that I played once and was kind of... Half of it I was very ambivalent toward or outright uh, hateful of by the end and just sort of rolled with it. Like, I spent $40 on this DLC for it. None of it was more than four hours of content, uh, two of which I just, one of which I just outright despise. (laughs) Thankfully, we got that one when it was $2. (laughs) I know exactly which one you're talking about because it's the one I hated, too. Yeah. Uh DLC is a whole different ball game. I feel like that could be an episode all by itself. Well, I'll just go ahead and say if you make one, might as well have a special guest on there because I don't give a crap about DLC. Well, Um, uh, you know what? I care enough to talk about it, though, so, yeah, bring it on. (laughs) All right, yeah, we are are running a bit on the edge, so we'll leave DLC off for a bit longer. Another day. That'll be another day. But do we have any thoughts about really just the the dollar value of of a game. Can I just say that maybe about nine, 95% of the time, I really don't give a rat's ass. Well, 95% of the time, you're playing some hand grenade that Mac has <laughs> thrown your way, so you didn't pay for it in the first place. Well, I hate to tell you, but most of those hand grenades, I don't toss. She's like, ooh, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> yeah, she, okay, granted, Sam does volunteer for hand grenade duty more often than not. But I'm just saying. I've been a good girl. I'm you remember saying. that you remember that scene in Captain America yeah. where they toss the grenade out and everybody else dives away. Well, Sam tosses the grenade and dives on it. <laughs> yeah, like Sam, like like it it it's like imagine Mac as Tommy Lee Jones just holding a grenade, just just sitting there hey, with it, hey. not even not even outwardly visible. Like, but Sam will be like, "Hey, is that a grenade in your pocket? Okay, I'm gonna take that, pull it, and then jump on it for you." <laughs> Hey, I've been a good girl this year. I haven't volunteered for as much crap. Things that I deem crap. You have to remember, if it's a hand grenade that looks like it might only be about, you know, five hours long, I really don't mind. Those aren't bad. Those are not horrible situations. It's the ones that are like 70 hours. Yeah. And I I won't lie, most of the time I'm a good girl and I bail. One last thing I will say on this uh, whole prospect of things then is... um, 
dead gummit. Now I forgot what the heck we were even talking about. <laughs> Never. Oh, yeah. Be glad. Be like me. Enjoy your portable games because <laughs> they tend to be about $20 cheaper. So enjoy those. They're going to be 20 bucks cheaper. And if you get some good Vita games, they're going to be probably in the 10 to $15 range. So if you want to save some money, that's the way to go. Well, see, no, I'm, I'm going to say that no. The best way to go is PC gaming, where you can spend your entire life on a continuous treadmill of little upgrades and bump-ups. And then, but but know for a fact that you'll constantly be buying things on Steam sales that maybe you wanted to try at some point. And we'll never play. Might not ever get to, and we'll never really, and we'll never really, here's the thing, Steam's bad at letting you organize your shit, so you won't be able to find half the things you buy after a year. The best part about it, though, is at least we'll let you know that you own it when you go to buy it again. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, that's on. Oh, I bought that two years ago. Okay. Also, last we figured out family sharing in this house. Oh, nice. So I, we I were love, excited. I, I really love Amazon because I'll buy things on there. And if I'm like, ooh, that one's on. Oh, I bought that two years ago and it's still sitting on my shelf. <laughs> so it's the equivalent for me. <sighs> Steam backlogs, just as bad as regular backlogs, if not worse. Worse. I, I'm looking at things that I in my, in my library, and I'm like, one I, day. Yeah, like, I'm sure I'm, you're looking at the stuff I have on Family Share and going, why did she buy that? No, I'm just looking at the fact that I bought the entire Star Wars bundle in May, and I'm like, when am I going to find time to play Empire at War? <laughs> the answer? Extra Oof. life. Yeah. That is actually the best time to to play random things in your backlog. This can actually help you go, don't like it, don't like it, maybe I'll keep going, you know. Yeah, okay, so Trent, your final thoughts on the subject of the dollar dollar bills, y'all? Um, I feel like if you're a fiscal conservative as I am, it's probably better to just wait until the planets align. Um, and it, it, I mean, different strokes for different folks at the end of the day is probably the approach I would take. Although... I do feel as though a game that asks $60 or more should probably deliver some experience more than five hours worth. But that's that's just my opinion. Well, and everyone's going to have a different metric. Like, I don't buy Call of Duty sequels because the single player is an afternoon of game. But the the multiplayer there there are people who are hooked into that multiplayer who will play it forever and will definitely get their their dollar value back that I'm not going to see and when I want to play those types of games I go to the library we do then, we play then... it, we have played a lot of gears of war because of the library i still don't know what emulsion is that's a different episode but I don't True, know what that, emulsion that is... is, and I don't know what lambits are or why they're bad. And actually, just to throw the plug in, bad. most libraries now have video games. If you want to try something, when in doubt, put a hold. Support circulation in your local library. Take it out for six days, and then you can figure out if you want to go and buy it, or if you just want to keep renewing it from the library and upping your fines a little bit. I know people who do that. <laughs> um, but that's a great way to do it. Like, you guys are you know, fancy. None of our libraries have video games. My local library does, and let me tell you the circulation level of those video games. Hey, our library here in Tennessee just got books. So. <laughs> I know, I just saw their video all about the books. Yeah, but half of those books have been banned for decades. 
your state's special, Mac. All right. We don't allow books. But yes, if your library does it, do it. Go do it. it. That's a great way to, you know, figure out if you actually want to spend money or if honestly, that's a game you just want to take out of the library, play it in an afternoon and ship it back. All right. So uh, feedback. There, libraries. <laughs> I got it in there. <laughs> okay, there you go. So uh, feedback from last week. Um, so apparently, so apparently, uh, it isn't enough that I spend five hours making these, uh, because some people are just too impatient for the medium as a whole, and uh, it, it's too bad for them, is what I'm saying. <laughs> You know like, what? The, like they got to this part. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the that that's the beauty of it is no one who is like ancient rune is never like if I had saved some of my sni- snarkier remarks for this segment instead of the thread proper, ancient rune would never know. I think he's a tool. <laughs> Sweetheart, stop making fun of the readers. It's not very nice. On the other hand. They have no right to talk if they haven't listened to the conversation and understood the context. I think everybody saw the title of that episode and immediately felt the need to just jump in yeah. and not actually well, uh, look at the Sam, context. Well, Sam, next to be thing fair, is... everyone has the right to talk. All right, guys, they next just, thing they just you're look be like a me, putz if they do. <laughs> next thing you're going to be telling me is that people comment without reading their reviews or news stories. <laughs> and know, my I... world will just be shattered. I don't want so... to live in that world. <laughs> you know, I really do think there should be some sort of reading comprehension test involved in getting an account on the forums. Like like a, like a quick quiz? Like Ooh, just, just a, a quick thing. Just a yeah, quick instead thing. instead of a captcha. <laughs> no, no captcha, just... Read this 200-word fake article we wrote. Tell us what happened in it in two words. Like a book report. <laughs> like, not not even a book report. Just, like, the question, like, like almost like the, the, the class discussion you had in seventh grade before you went to write your book report. Uh, All about books? Their form grows are, are good. I like them. Well, and and this this they're does special. There's special people everywhere. Well, and th- this does lead us to our second, uh, my second point of feedback, which was people people read it and started reacting, and the people saw the people reacting and just started throwing numbers in the forum. When I don't think we ever really mentioned numbers. Actually, we didn't discuss numbers at all. I think we mentioned the number of units sold, and then a that potential a... future number of units. As a as a watermark, okay, but yeah, there were there were a bunch of numbers that seemed to be related to that discussion, and some ranting about entitled gamers and the cross buy system, which that'll come up eventually, I'm sure. Can I just go on record saying I hate feedback because that's what the forums are for. We give it there. Well, we we, we do back. we do try to engage. I I just do think it's some of every now and again there's something that does worth that is worth bringing up. Like I know Plus someone you get to call out people you don't like. So. Yeah, I mean this is my space to be an angry old man more so than anything else. So I like to um, keep it. Are you sure the three of you aren't angry old men? Okay, I'm not old. All right. Yeah, I kind of am. Well, so. the other okay. thing was I think someone did come to Sony's defense with regard to the PS3, and I'm like nothing about three is Sony the P the success of the PS3 had anything to do with Sony. I think it was a bunch of coders finally realizing how the how the cell architecture worked had and the price coming Chronicles down and dark souls that's what i remember souls. selling 
PS3s at Best Buy at $700. Yeah, I don't think... I really don't think Sony had much to do with any sort of PS3 success. I think it was just the game library finally built up to critical mass without Sony's help. Furthermore, I I guess I'll, I'll say, you know what, Sean McDougal... You're probably right. Daggerfall isn't the worst Elder Scrolls. It's probably Oblivion. But Elders, but Daggerfall is generic as hell, and the fact that everything is procedurally generated means nothing is special. Like, nothing so means want, anything in that game. So you want to be special in a video game? How dare you, Scott? No, I don't want... How dare you? I, How dare as, you want to be special? My character should not be special, which is something uh, that bugs me about spy, Skyrim. But, <laughs> Dag- right, that's but Daggerfall... These are editorials that I'm outlining right now is the problem. But Daggerfall is just like, hey, talk to this, go to this town that has a random name and a random layout and doesn't mean anything to talk to this random guy to find this random thing and the dungeon will somehow be terrible. Right on. That, so so this is me. There will be rants about the Elder Scrolls coming and it's just on my mind. Oblivion's probably the worst one. You're right. <laughs> I remember when I napped through Skyrim and things happened. <laughs> yes. That happened very frequently. Well, that has a lot to do with where you were at at the time. So I, I have no patience, but I still put 90 hours in. Okay, so as, as a closer, what, what, what do we all think of uh, Steam curation coming to Steam somehow and Steam improving its little sorting algorithm to recommend you games? Nice to see something. Go, go, Trent. I I was just going to say that I think it could be a slippery slope because uh, at a time when ethics in the video game industry is is considered to be a big issue to have curators that are technically paid to be curators, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot of influence to throw around. I think it could be a, a dangerous thing. I appreciate the fact that things are being better categorized and that well, I'm I'm liking the I'm liking the user tags, and I think those are yeah, valuable. There, I think these there's a, similar there's a purchases. Platform. Yeah, it's it's a better platform for exploration, and I appreciate that that exists. But I think I think the fact that the curators themselves have that kind of power. Uh, I mean, power power can be abused. I guess you know someone someone will find a way to be a dick bag about it. Excuse me, saying. libraries have been doing this for decades. Well, it's different. It's when... called readers' revisory, where someone basically gets to tell you, "This is what I think the best thing is." Well, here's all the Nora Roberts. No, well, here's, here's the, the thing. Th- no. This is the problem: is that for a long time, um, Steam is Steam's a marketplace, and people were calling out to Steam to be like, "Hey." Uh, maintain a standard of quality and it's like steam was like no that's not our job but we should pro but at the same time we should probably make it better so you can now set up a lit like a playlist of hey these are things i think are cool and someone will break it and it'll be bad yeah. but Here's even my- user tags and similar purchases have gotten better since that update yeah but libraries aren't a profit a for-profit organization are they Honey, yeah. enough Just about saying. libraries. You asked my closing comments. Here they are: um, curation, good. Ranking curators by how popular they are, bad. Yes. <laughs> See, I was thinking of curators in a different way because I actually didn't know anything about this. Because this just goes to show you how much I. Congratulations! You're playing on the same level as our commenters. Hey, honey, honey, <laughs> how much? How much do I PC game? 
hey, you have a Steam account. There's like 30 things on it. You should... Yeah, but... Jacuzzi. You know what? I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, you're talking about all these standards, and that's why my brain immediately, the libraries already do that. Yes, I know they don't have profit, but that's how they rope people into using the system. I, I, I'm trying to understand the, uh, the whole curation thing. It, it could be good. It could be bad. I don't know. I do like that, like, on our little RP Gamer Steam page, it has links to reviews of, of games we like. It's kind of nice. I think that's nice. Did you do that, Mac? I got Manny, too. It's really pretty. Mm-hmm. Wait, you got Manny to do work? <laughs> Manny does a lot of our social crap. So. I guess. I'm just saying, like, that kind of stuff I actually kind of like, because I do like not to be egotistical, but hey, my Receteer review's in there. Yay! Okay, but that this is it. <laughs> it I, get, I guess this is on my mind, because, uh, it, you know, finding things on the internet could be better, and I really hope that uh, this whole tag system... That's better than it is right now. Indeed. Clearly, Steam needs to incorporate Biblio Commons. <laughs> I don't. I got think one that... more in there. I got one more in there. I'm gonna I'm delete done. that one just for spite. I'm done. <laughs> All right. So feel free to feel free to, of course, join our forums so you can you too can be relentlessly mocked by me and leave feedback about the show and tell us what you think about how you should spend your money. I'm going to go buy Final Fantasy 13 again. Mac, no. Ow. No. Worst Later. birthday ever. Later, guys. I'm going to I'm going to wait till Lightning Returns re-releases and then I'll buy that. No. I thought you were just going to say you were going to wait till Lightning Returns so oh. that you could go buy it. You guys, you're hurting me. Stop <laughs> it. Uh, uh, I've spent enough. I'm this out. This is a topic I'm I'm Money's not... out. I'm out of money. I'm out of time. I'm just Thanks not good playing. at topics if, like. If you'd like to, if you'd like to hear about our pirate adventures, add please add nine ninety five to your queue. <laughs> I want to be a pirate. I think now's the official time that we put the prices right. At the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will find a spot to cut in there somewhere. I will. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production, all rights reserved. Visit rpgamer.com for contact info, discussions, and other great content. Music by Nubuo Ematsu, arrangements courtesy of ocremix.com.